Rise up. Welcome to Rise Up Radar, where we keep the Falcons on your radar. Thank you for joining me, Stan Parker, for another episode. Let's have a ball and show. Joining me tonight is Mr. Brooks yet again. Todd, how you feeling tonight, man? I'm feeling good. Atlanta Braves won a playoff series for the first time in 19 years. And, uh, well, in other news, Dan Quinn is still the Falcons head coach. Yeah, well, yeah, listen. <laughs> you brought us up to bring us down, Todd. What's going on with that? <laughs> I guess it's just too early in the season to go ahead and make a change at this point. I guess I just want to just see it through and see what happens and see uh, if it gets worse or better. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, what I really would really like to uh, talk to that would be awesome just to be have it like be a fly on the wall between their conversation of like what needs to change and you know how much uh, Arthur Blank really is meddling because I don't I don't know if I believe that he is as meddling as like you know what I'm saying of as as an owner meddling in the team as much as like Jerry is you know Jerry Jones is notorious for walking in and saying you know play this guy we've spent him all this money you know you need to play him well you're not the coach well I know but I you know I cut the check so yeah play him so I don't know I've only really known like a hundred percent like certainty that he's only meddled in the team one time and that was the Julio deal Julio, yeah, he, for sure. you know, he, he walked in and said, hey, get this guy, and I don't care. I'll sign the check. So, uh, I don't know how much he's meddling, but uh, I, I don't know. And how do you – so, like, when we were winning, when we were winning, when the Falcons were winning, it was fun to have, like, Arthur Blank come down in his, like, $1,000 suit – or in the $1,000 suit. But, like, you know, his, he'd come down and, like, walk the, walk the sidelines in the fourth quarter. Now that the team is horrible – like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you like it, or does it matter to you, or is it, like, it's kind of unnerving to me. I don't know. I'm sort of unfazed by it at this point. I mean, the season is what it is. You know, I, I don't really care what Arthur Blank does. He can be there. He can be there on the field. He can be up in his box, or he cannot be there at all. And it doesn't bother me one little bit. You know, Speaking of, like, little, like, nuanced things that kind of like you were talking about, like, just being unfazed – it's like there was this big storyline a couple years ago with Sarkeesian, I think, that it was whether or not he was going to be on the field or not. You remember that? He was. Yes, it was, I do. It's, and it's just like whenever things are going like decent and good, uh, nothing. I mean, but once everything is going bad, now we're questioning where the office coordinator stands. So this coming up week, they've got an extra day to prepare. Falcons are going to play Green Bay Monday night in Lambeau Field, 8-15 at night, allegedly, on primetime late game. It's going to stay up late to watch it if it's even a game, you know. So uh, what what are your thoughts, your first – what are your thoughts on this, on this coming up matchup? Well, Stan, I'm not feeling real good about it. I mean, if you look at the Green Bay Packers – they pretty much dominate every offensive category in the NFL. And passing yards, they're ranked sixth in the NFL. They're ranked second in rushing. 
and they're ranked first in scoring. So this does not seem like it's going to be a good Monday night for the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, all right. So the little app that I use um, to kind of like look at my stats on, on, on the phone, it has these, you know, one team on one side and the other team on the other side. And it has like a bar of like which way the bars are going. And <laughs> all of the bars are going over from the Green Bay side. I mean, it's it's pretty bad on all categories. But I will say that the Falcons, they're um, they are still top ten in a lot of categories, except for rushing. Um, in in offensively now, defensively, you know, they're in the thirties, which is, you know not good across the board. Um, another new, like kind of just like we're looking at that matchup, a, an encouraging sign for, I mean, we're just, we're looking for, we're looking for minor victories here. Or we're looking for blessings. We're looking for just something we can hang our hat on. Kendall Sheffield participated in practice, a cornerback. He participated in practice today. And so he's, he's close to coming back the game um like you said it's not a lot uh it's kind of kind of demoralizing to look at the stats that way and also too that the i'm looking at here the uh the injury list is pretty extensive still so i mean there's there's seven players right now currently on the injured list which could be questionable but could be you know out for the game we don't really i mean it'll get closer so everything's bumped back one more day so Um, right so the big, um, I mean, the big matchup is what it is. Is is Aaron Rodgers versus this porous defense, and how close can you keep it until halftime? I mean, if you could come out and get pressure, which Tack McKinley's got a groin, Dante Fowler's got an ankle, Grady Jarrett's got a hip. Like, uh, if we could somehow muster some pressure, he's Aaron Rodgers is playing out of his mind right now. So um, yeah, he is. Look, I, I don't think it matters that much about injuries. I don't – I really think that Green Bay is just the kind of offensive team that can pretty much do whatever they want down the field anytime that they have the ball. Anytime Aaron Rodgers has the ball, he can either hand it off to Aaron Jones or he can just throw to any of his receivers that can, that can catch the ball. We're going to have a hard time defending Green Bay because they are probably the most balanced offensive team in the NFL. Right, and that – I, yeah, I, I thought you were going to say the most balanced team that they've played. No, it's the most balanced team in the NFL because they now with uh, with Jones in the backfield actually having a running back, an actual running back, even though I think he wears a wide receiver's number, um, that that's a scary a scary thing. And I think Mr. Rogers, I think we all predicted it. If we're you know going to be totally honest, that they drafted Jordan Love, and he said, "Oh no." There's, you know, the old sheriff is still in town, so he's got a little chip on his shoulder, and I mean, he's playing lights out, and which is, I just hope that the Falcons, I hope they play them tough, and I hope they look better, and if they could somehow, here's the deal, though, this is how the NFL works, when the Falcons are up, the Saints were down, the Saints will jump up, bite the Falcons. When you got these, this could be a trap game, dude. This could be, this could be a game that the Falcons just jump up and win, and they got no business winning this game, because I, uh, I got no statistical 
evidence for that. But this could be a, a trap game for they could just be looking past, you know, the Falcons. So I don't know. It's I don't know how I'm feeling about that, but it is a possibility. And uh, I had another thing I wanted to say and thought of that. Um, Todd Gurley's got to get it going. I don't know. What do you think yeah. it is? What do you think? Do you think it's he's old, or do you think there's no lane? It's really hard to say. I mean, at times I haven't seen really good blocking from the offensive line, but at the same time, you know, he wasn't good last year with the Los Angeles Rams either. Yeah. And he's, he's what, in his sixth year in the NFL now? Yeah. And the tires look like that uh, there's some serious holes in them. The air's going out. And <laughs> I, I, I kind of think it's a combination of both, if you ask me. I, I really think that um, it's got to do with both things. The blocking of the offensive line, the run blocking really hasn't been there. But it's also Todd Gurley. He's old for a running back at this point. Right. Shelf life is uh, – the NFL stands for not for long, especially with running backs. Yeah. So Yeah, especially for running backs. Yeah. And that's why they don't get – that's why the NFL running backs don't get taken typically top, you know, upper echelon of draft – you know, the draft board is because their shelf life is so, you know, short that it – I mean, you could get a generational talent like Zeke and he'll be out of the league – or Todd Gurley. He'll be out of the league in six, seven years. So – you're you're not drafting a you know I don't know exactly what their their career average is but like you said it's crazy. Okay. Well, NFL is very different now because at one point that's what NFL teams would do in the first round. You might would have five, six, seven running backs taken in the first round, but over the last ten years it's rarely happened. Todd Gurley is one of the few first round running backs that was actually still. taken in the NFL draft, and yeah, I think Ezekiel is the only other one, right? I, I can't, I can't think of any other ones. I, I could probably look it up, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's few and far between. Because I mean, you think of like quality backs getting taken, you know, in late first rounds, it's ridiculous. You know, like Sonny Michelle. I don't know if that's a good example, but like Sonny Michelle getting picked. Oh, Clyde Edwards Alaire and getting picked number thirty-two. So. That's crazy. So, but if the listen, if the Falcons win, could win this game. They're only. I mean, if you pull up the division get the division um, standings right now, the Saints don't look that good. Drew Brees, I don't think he can throw farther than eight yards. He's got noodle arm. The 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 Bucks now. The Bucks are figuring out they've got a good defense, and Todd Tom Brady is enough of a gamer to hit the right person. Uh, he's still figuring it out with Bruce Arians' system and all that stuff. But he is a winning quarterback. So, like, of course he's going to throw to the other team sometimes because he's just not used to his guys or whatever, bad decisions, and he's old. But he is a winner, and I it's hard to bet against him. And the Panthers aren't going anywhere anytime soon. So, like, I, dude, if we could sniff out a game here and then go out – Let's go look at this here schedule again. Let's go look up the next four games. Oh, wait, that's baseball. We don't want that. Oh, you want football. You want the Atlanta Falcons schedule. Yes, thank you. All right. All right, so we know we have Green Bay. Green Bay. We have Minnesota coming up. Oh, speaking of Minnesota, there's some some COVID stuff going on with that because that might – there might be some – 
I don't know, cancellation or move around with that game too. So week, all right. So week four is this week, which would be the um, the Green Bay Packers, Packers uh, Monday Night Football. Then the next week is week five, and that's against the Panthers at Carolina. Divisional game. Carolina doesn't love. They have a lot, but they do have one thing the Falcons don't have, and that's a win. Yes, um, but that's about it. Yeah, that's I really mean, about it. And Teddy B's playing. Christian McCaffrey's still going to be hurt. Uh, he's out four to six weeks, I believe. I think his, this is his first week out. So, I mean, that's a winnable game, brother. And then yeah, the next, the, right? I mean, really, the Panthers, we get them twice in October, too. So, that's a chance to maybe rack up two wins. So, I'm saying, so if you can win, if you can win – Let's say they jump up and bite the Packers, and we got a happy podcast. We're doing an emergency happy podcast on Sunday, or I guess Monday. I won't be recording Monday night, brother. I'm sorry. That's no, too late, man. We can't do a one a.m. show. <laughs> no, that's uh, that, that's a little too late for me. But the next day for sure. So uh, we're talking positivity here. We all right. We jump up and get the Packers at you know a, a thirty-eight, thirty-seven deal, and. Um, we got Panthers on the road. That's winnable. Vikings, they're a train wreck. I mean, you could get them, and that's, uh, I think, is that home? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's I think so. I think that's home as and well. Surprisingly so, too. The Vikings were supposed to be a good team, but they've really been on the struggle bus this year. They've uh, they've looked a lot like the Falcons. Looked like Tarzan, yeah. looked like Tarzan played like Jane. Um, yeah. And then you got the Detroit Lions, uh, and then, then you're going back to the Panthers. So your next four stretch of games, dude, if you – all right, so, I mean, you could rattle off four or five in a row right there and be sitting five close to 500. You could. And even and, the week after that, we have the Denver Broncos, and they're 0-3. Yeah, and they're trash too. So, I mean, this could feasibly – so, all right, so then there's there's, there, there's two ways this could go. If that were to transpire, if you jump up and bite Green Bay, your defense figures it out, you get a little pass rush, Matt Ryan gets more in sync and they run the ball a little bit and, you know, they get in sync and they actually move the ball and close it out. Aaron Rodgers just wakes up hungover, got the buckhead flu, throws it left-handed, throws to the other jersey. If he has a bad game is what I'm saying – if Aaron Rodgers has a bad game and the Falcons jump up and beat them, the next four games are winnable because you got some momentum. Boom, boom, boom. Now you win five right there. So now you're, you know, five and three. And now, you, now you're in the hunt. So uh, it's not all hope is not lost because if that could, I mean, the crazier things have happened in 2020. There's been some bananas things that happened, and they could just turn it around. But here's the other problem with that. I know I'm talking pie in the sky, and I and I know I get over my skis, and I do get a little more uh, optimistic than I probably should be. But if all that happens, and they win five in a row, that means they're well, – I can't even think now. Five and three. They're the, they're the 2014 team all over again. <laughs> Now they're five and three. That's enough in Arthur Blank's eyes to save his job for one more year. Yeah, I want that to happen. You see, you see if they and I have a hard time I have a hard time rooting for them to lose. Uh that's just not it's not in my blood, but uh 
I kind of want them to, to, you know, to really just air it out and be who they really are. I mean, I want them to get hot and make it competitive and make it good football to watch because I watch every game. Um, I watch every snap of every game, and lots of times I'll go back and rewatch and look at plays. But um, it's a, it's a, it's hard to do this year, brother. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's uh, when you have at least an opportunity, like just they're two, they're three plays away right now for being undefeated, and what is crazy uh, to say. And there's so, that much of a train wreck. The offense is that good, so. Um, I don't know. That, that's that's my my thought on the schedule. So, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I totally understand that. Well, you know, it's really interesting to look at at these two teams. Okay, you have the Atlanta Falcons on one end, and then you have the Seattle Seahawks on the other uh-huh. end, who we opened up with in Week One. And I was looking at the stats today, and you know what? They're very similar. Because Seattle, you know who's last in total defense in the NFL right now? Seattle. The Seattle Seahawks. They're dead last in the NFL, yet they're 3-0. and They're also, um, yeah, really just kind of sitting there giving up um, just a ton of passing yards each game, too. They're dead last in passing yards. They give up almost uh, – they're giving up actually 430 yards a game in passing yards. And then in in rushing yards, they're also sitting right there, uh, you know, close to the bottom, kind of like mid range, but they're not they're not all the way down. And then points, they're getting up a bunch of points. But they're scoring a bunch of points, but all their games have been incredibly close. They've been playing. They played the Falcons, close game, barely beat the New England Patriots, and this past weekend they beat the Cowboys by seven. So, I mean, it's just a tale of two seasons. They have the confidence. The Falcons don't seem to have the confidence at this point. So what's the difference? What so te- like what? All right. So the defense is very comparable to the Falcons. They're parallel to each other. They're they're right there. But like, so on the flip side, let's read some offensive stats. Let's read us some the offensive numbers versus the Falcons' offensive numbers. Okay, so we can take a look at the uh, at Seattle's offensive numbers because they are pretty good offensively. But so are the Falcons. Yes. Let me see if I can pull that up here. Hang on just a second. Not a problem. And I think um, Falcons right here. I can pull up there. Okay. You get the Falcons stats. I'm going to pull up the Seattle stats. Yeah, I got the Falcons. The Falcons offensively, total yards per – this looks like per – yards per game. Yeah, passing yards per game is 298 which is number three in the league. Okay, so Seattle's 289. Uh, so they're only – they're fifth in the league. So they're right there with the Falcons in that Okay. State. And so then now rushing yards is 109, which is 18th. Seattle's slightly better. They're 118, and they're 16th in the league. And then points per game is 30. Okay, that's the difference right there. Seattle's averaging a touchdown more per game. They're at 37 points a game. They're averaging 37 points a game, Todd. Isn't that mm-hmm. something? That's like record-breaking, you know. And then you got to probably look at, at uh, Russell Wilson's season. He's having an unbelievable season. He's he's thrown for 14 touchdowns, I think, is what I saw last. All right, and so I don't think the Falcons are obviously run the ball very well, but um, – what where does Seattle rank in their rush offense? 
Seattle is not very good at running the ball either. Now, they're better than the Falcons. They're about midway through the NFL. They're right at 15th in the well, league. Not much better. The Falcons are 18th. So, Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the, uh, the, the Seahawks, they're at 118 yards per game. And so, so it's crazy that the Falcons are so close to the Seattle team offensively and defensively too. So what's yeah. the X factor? Tell me now what is what is the difference between the Seattle team and the Falcons team? Personally, I think it's just that little extra edge of confidence. Like Seattle has been able to win close games. The Falcons have managed to blow uh, blowouts that became close games. And then they would end up losing. So I think it really has more to do with just team psyche. It's just that psychological edge. I think Seattle has that over the Atlanta Falcons at this point. I think that as well. And I totally agree with that. And then probably coaching. Uh, just like mm-hmm. – Well, Pete Carroll versus Dan Quinn. I mean, come on. Yeah, the, the Padawan and the master. So um, – and I would be curious to see how many – where the Falcons are – with penalties, because I feel like they're starting to creep back up with penalties as well. And there for a little while, they were, you know, the earlier the see earlier they were, um, they were a little more disciplined. But I think the more frustration that builds, I think the more penalties that are going to start flowing through, because that's what was killing was a killer last year as well. It's just stupid stuff, roughing the passer, running to the kicker, offsides on a moving drive. That kind of thing, uh, just bonehead penalties that could be avoided. But um, I don't know. I, so that could be, a, if you look at the penalties, that could be a coaching and discipline versus, you know, whatever. So anyway, I also the kicker, the kicking situation. We need to talk about Young Waku. First of all, first and foremost. Young Way Koo's on my deep, um, on my uh, fantasy team, which is that yeah, which is terrible. Second of all, um, in the beginning, where camp was concerned, Young Way Koo was kicking at camp, and there was no no competition um, for him. And right around the time that they signed um, Darquez Denard. They spent the last little bit of their money, but they still had some money left over, and to my estimation. And I was reading articles saying that, hey, you know what? There's no kicker on staff to push Young Way Koo, that he, they're just going to hand in the keys to the kingdom. And I've yeah. been reading a lot of things, and I thought it was very interesting that they didn't bring anybody in here in into the, the conversation to, to, to push him, to keep him disciplined. But, you know, they liked him. He was in shape and all that stuff. But now we're three weeks in, and in warm-ups, warm-ups, he tweaks something. He gets a leg strain. I don't know what a leg, what part of his leg is strained, but I think they're all, it's all pretty important. So he gets a leg strain in, in, in the warm-ups. The coaching staff says, you know what, rub some dirt on it, he can go. And so because there's nobody else, and so now you're then a kicker, you know, a quarter of the way to the season, now you're – literally scraping the scrap heap trying to find you a kicker that can you know come in and and and, and put them between the put them between the uprights and so i think that's a little bit of a a missed opportunity and and, and not being prepared just as of another blemish on Th- thomas dimitrov that had nothing to do with dan quinn i don't think not really but you know it, that's dan quinn or uh 
Thomas Dimitrov's responsibility is to to make sure this this team is covered in depth. And uh, that was they really I think they dropped the ball on that. And I know his kicker is not, you know, we're not really going to crucify him over, over kicking, uh, you know, kicking depth. But still, that's just one thing that you gotta you gotta have is depth. So. That's well, you I'm certainly saying. want to have somebody else in camp that can be able to push the other kicker, like you said. And you could have addressed the kicking situation in the draft because you knew that Matt Bryant was no longer part of the team and Koo was kind of an unproven commodity. You could have addressed the kicker in the NFL draft now, in the late rounds. There were now, kickers there. Now, Todd, which kicker would you have liked to see the Falcons pick up? Well, geez, I think I would have liked to have seen a kicker from the Georgia Bulldogs named Rodrigo Blankenship. Oh, hi, And guess Rod. where he's at? Guess where he's at? I really have no clue. Is Detroit? He's with the Colts. He's with the Colts. Hey, that's a good situation. Yeah, he's, he's kicking for me. He's starting. He's starting, yeah. And what, mm-hmm. what round did he go in? Do you remember? I put you on the spot. It was one of the later rounds, but I can't remember exactly which Six. one. I mean, kickers don't get drafted. The only kicker I've ever seen draft drafted early was uh, Sebastian Janikowski. He was a first-round pick, but I think it was like he was either a sixth or a seventh-round choice flanking shit. Do you remember um, um, a few years back that Tampa Bay traded up to get a kicker? They traded, they traded up to, like, the second round to get a kicker. Maybe it wasn't the second round. I'm, maybe I'm talking crazy. But, I okay, look it up. Let's see. I don't remember that, but I'm sure it happened. Yeah, well, that's – I mean, that's about right. Uh, Tampa. Rodrigo Blankenship. Rodrigo Blankenship. Is he doing good this year? Yeah, man, he's doing really good so far. Um, trying to see which where he actually went in the draft. Because he – let's see. Actually, he wasn't drafted at all. He was signed as an undrafted free agent. Well, there, so there you go. go. He wasn't even drafted at all. So, there were guys you didn't have to necessarily draft with either. You could have gotten Rodrigo Blankenship as an undrafted free agent. You knew you needed a kicker, and you just didn't do it. Matt Bryant, you felt like he was too old. He started missing field goals that he normally would make, and you still didn't draft a kicker. And now we're in the predicament of – of where you see now is you're 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 literally calling people in like one day at a time and i mean they're gonna cook kick right here in about three days they probably have an open tryouts like you know vince papali and you know in invincible so well i think that's the one position where you still can find somebody even this late in the game because there are i mean think about it for just a minute there's 32 nfl teams there's a lot more than 32 good college kickers that come out every year, but they don't have an opportunity to kick because there's just not enough roster spots out there for them. So, you know, for sure, I think you can find somebody. You could probably even find somebody who's playing soccer and try them out, and you probably can get a guy who can hit field goals. All right, I got it. Roberto Aguayo, Aguayo was drafted in 2016 with the 59th overall pick. But to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he they traded the third and fourth rounds to trade into the second round to get the place kicker, and he had the ips. He couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. He couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. And there you go. 
that's why you don't draft pick kickers in the second round. So we got the kicking wow. situation. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely insane. I mean, I wouldn't put it past TD to do something funky like that. Be taking people from, you know, what the D colleges that he they'll like draft people like John Kaminsky is from like the smallest school. I've never even heard of the school. That's how small of a school he's from. So um, anyway, let's do. Let's get your score prediction for this week. Coming up, Monday Night Football, 8 o'clock in Lambeau, Falcons and Packers. What you got for me for the score? Okay, so just based on the fact that I picked the Chicago Bears, or I picked the Atlanta Falcons to beat the Chicago Bears last week in a close game, and they lost a close game after blowing a big lead, and the fact that Green Bay is the most balanced offense in the <laughs> NFL, but they're only average on defense. I mean, they're, I think they're around like 15th or 16th defensively. They give up about 28 and a half points a game. I'm going to say that the, this game's going to be another shootout. But unfortunately, the Falcons are going to lose this game by a score of 59 to 31. 59 to 31, Todd. Are you serious? They hang a 50 burger on them? There's no. Are you... I think. Well, you have to consider the mental part of it, too. I mean, the Falcons have just lost. Two games, they became the first team in NFL history to blow a game where they had a 15-point or more lead two weeks in a row. I mean, that's got to do something to your brain after a while. It's got to do something to you mentally. I, I think they'll show up and they'll be able to score like they always have, but that defense isn't stopping the Green Bay Packers. Come on, man. You know they're not. All right, here we go. I'm doing I'm doing a bold prediction here. You know, Okay. I, all right. But I am going – I'm going uh, – a, a, a high-scoring affair. I'm going 42 to 38 Falcons. Whoo! You had the Falcons pulling off the upset at Lambeau on Monday night. Yes. You're bold, brother. You're bold. I, and I'm putting a I'm putting the uh, putting a 40 burger on them, dude. We need to we need, <laughs> we need to start recording these because I just got talking crazy now. But yeah, I there. This is there is a possibility of this happening because all it would take is, you know, Aaron Rom, Aaron Rodgers to have a bad day in the office. P- people have bad days in the office all the time. If he has a bad day in the office, the Falcons could get him. That's all. I'm yeah, saying. if he if he throws some picks and there are some recovered fumbles, there's just a lot of turnovers. Right. I can see the Falcons winning the game for sure, but so far they haven't done a lot of that. They've been the most consistent offense in the NFL, and they've been hanging. 42 points on every single team that they played this season. Whereas, you know, the Falcons, they've been putting points up, but they've been giving up about as many as they score. And I think this is the most balanced team in the NFL. I just think they're going to put up a lot of points on the Falcons. It's going to be one week where they're not going to be able to keep up. And then, like I said, there's a whole mental edge thing that uh, watch the Falcons don't have and the Green Bay Packers do. Watch this game be a 9-7 affair and just prove us all wrong. I'd be amazed if that happened. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, you know, when we start guessing these scores up this high that, you know, next thing you know, it's going to be, you know, 10 to 7. So, uh, but anyway. All right, Todd, you got anything else for the people? Any words of encouragement? I certainly hope the Falcons win. I hope my score prediction is wrong. I I talked to a friend of mine last night, and he really thought that, hey, it'd be just like the Falcons to go ahead and pull the upset – over the Green Bay Packers and then win four or five in a row. And I, I agree with him. It would be like that to happen, but I don't think it will. So that's – I'm with your friend. I like him. He sounds like a cool person. 
So um, uh, that's what my prediction is. P- uh, I'm going upset Green Bay. They get their mo, they get their mojo back. They get their momentum, and then they take that on the road, bludgeon Carolina and their depleted staff, and just keep rolling until you know the the Broncos, and they rattle off four or five in a row. So that's that's what's on the future, you know. That's the positivity, and that's what's on the horizon. Y'all just stay positive. Um, thank you, Todd, for being on another episode, brother. It's always good talking with you, and uh, we'll 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 do this again very very soon. Yeah, it's fun. Yes, sir. All right, guys, if you like what you heard tonight, go ahead and like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. And until next time, rise up.